Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Thriller Silhouette, a podcast that dives into the wide range of fun humanities-related topics. I'm your host Pauline Wen, and helping me with the episode today is a very awesome upcoming NYU freshman, Vera. Hi, everyone. And in today's episode, we will be talking about an emerging form of a political tool: corruption. You know what, Vera? Since we were on vacation, I have been so obsessed with the TV show that I legit stayed up all night watching it. Oh wow! You, Pauline, are actually binge watching a TV show. What's that TV show? Dirty Money. Dirty Money sounds very illegal. Yeah, it's all about corporate corruption and those prominent businessmen making deals with other corporations and governments. Interesting, but that's like the generic version of corruption. You know, like the kind that pops into people's mind when we talk about corruption. But there is actually a more well、mm, sinister sort of corruption. Uh, well, what's that? Glad you asked. It's called strategic corruption. Have you heard of it? Indeed. Rather than just simply bribing the officials for personal interest, strategic、um, strategic corruption is a type that even involves using an incentive or inducement against target countries, such as、um, as a national strategy. Have you ever heard of the news about people trying to pass a custom or to get a building permit through that extra facilitation payment? Well, that's oddly specific, but okay, go on. As for the more generic sort of corruption you were talking about, it is called green corruption. Based on the name itself. I guess grand corruption involves figures of higher ranking or、um, domestic projects of more importance, right? Definitely didn't do that research beforehand. <laughs> yeah, grand corruption typically involves businessmen bribing higher ranking government officials to win a bid, infrastructure project, for example. Sounds about right, and since. You mentioned the phrase "target countries." States that are integrally weaker are often the victims of this game, right? You mean countries such as Venezuela, Algeria, or、um, Bolivia? Yeah, and a commonality of these countries is that they are less developed. But do you know that even countries like the U.S. could be prone to strategic corruption? I know it's. Came to me as surprising at first, but afterward it makes sense to me that democratic countries are more susceptible to corruption with all its freedom and openness. Yep, very smart, Pauline. You took the words right out of my mouth. Since we are talking about strategic corruption, just um off the top of my head, I had this question: What are the harms of this sort of political manipulation? Um, economic loss due to the misuse of funds, definitely. Oh, oh, right, and um, I think a loss of reputation and authority, maybe. Yeah, imagine having your wrongdoings being known internationally. Oof, that would really suck. <laughs> Given that we、we'll、just talk about how less developed countries are especially more vulnerable to the strategic corruption, do you know? 
um, any of the dangers that come along? Um, and even much weaker economy and financial ability. Duh. You know those countries who commit these corruptions are really really sneaky. They target the less developed countries to offer loans for the infrastructures and economic improvement projects, but they are just wolves in sheep's clothing. They offer these huge loans to these poor countries, knowing well that these less developed countries would never ever be able to repay the loans and would just end up even more bankrupted than they already are. Financial crisis. Then, wouldn't these countries be lacking necessary resources for their development? I mean, the basic needs of the people, such as sanitation or food resources. Yes. So it is like a snowball effect, and it just gets worse and worse. But how is this any different from the bureaucratic corruption or the grand corruption? Are they all just like? A bunch of greedy businessmen and of government officials, trying to make dirty money off of people. Ha! Huh, they surely do, but there is a very distinctive feature that set them apart. Bureaucratic corruption and grand corruption targets and objectives are more personal, or they're mostly um domestic domestically in one individual country. On the other hand, strategic corruption is more of a national strategy. A political tool used in the international community, which has a far bigger sphere of influence. I see. Maybe I can give our audience some examples so that it could be clear what the distinction is, right? So let's start with the most recent and well-known one: Trump's impeachment case. Trump's impeachment case. Wow, that's great. Tell us more about it. So. In case you haven't heard, the current president of the United States, A.K.A. Donald Trump, is impeached. And let me just throw a few facts out there. So things all started back in September of 2019 when an anonymous whistleblower exposed Trump for bribing Zelensky, which is the president of Ukraine, to investigate Joe Biden, who was his、uh, opponent for this coming election. Um, it has something to do with his son, doesn't it? Yes. Joe Biden's son Hunter Biden had held a seat in the Ukrainian oil gas company called Burisma Holdings, and he was involved in a scandal to which the American government was about to investigate. And Joe Biden halted the investigation, I presume. And that was what Trump accused Biden of doing, abusing his power as vice president to get Hunter out of the scandal. Yeah, that's what people get from the surface of the news, but. The story really began long before Trump did any of these things, right? Bingo! This entire thing all started with the Turkmenistan-Ukraine-Russia gas trade. As you know about the impeachment case, the Trump campaign team was attempting to find some allegations that will harm Biden's reputation, and the one who directed this act was Rudy Giuliani. Then Giuliani then directed. Lev Parnas, a naturalized Ukrainian-American businessman, to reach out to an Ukrainian energy tycoon. Well, I don't really remember his name. Dmitry Firtash, which is a well-known figure in Ukraine, and he manages trades with Ukraine for Gazprom. Gazprom. 
Yeah, Gazprom is a state-controlled Russian gas company. Continuing from what I was saying, Firtash has been facing resisting extradition to the U.S. with bribery charges. That said, in order to solicit Giuliani's assistance on his lawsuit, Firtash, along with his associates, started to dig up any compromising information on Biden. Then, after gas, that state-owned Ukrainian gas company walked into right. I heard that Firtash offered at least one million U.S. dollars to partners and asked him to make a deal with Naftogaz. Yeah, the deal states that Naftogaz will be able to import U.S. liquefied natural gas. However, at the same time, the company would need to replace its widely admired chief executive, Andrei Kobolev, with a person whose interests align him more to the Kremlin. Wait, then what does Giuliani have? Like anything to do with this. In an exchange of providing information that will potentially harm Biden's reputation, Firtash asked Giuliani to help him with the lawsuit. So did Giuliani really assist him? You bet he did. Wait, I think I get where the strategic corruption is. What's on your mind? For Russia, solid control over the gas trade in Eastern Europe especially Ukraine, has always been a very um, very paramount national objective. And as you have mentioned, Vertash arranges trades on behalf of Gazprom, the Russia-controlled enterprise. And that said, he was not only trying to expand Russia's interests through replacing the chief executive, but also attempting to import more liquefied oil from the states, which altogether fulfills Russia's goal of taking over controls of gas trade in and through Ukraine. And thus fits into a strategic corruption as those bribes are used against Ukraine and played as Russia's national um, national strategy to attain its goal. Exactly. Hey, but um, how about the Belt Road Initiative? I feel like it's also a typical case of strategic corruption. Absolutely. Fun fact, there are 138 countries in the Belt and Road Initiative as of now. That's a lot, but do you think it will work? Personally, no. And the reason behind my disagreement is precisely because of the corrupt nature of its plan. Yeah, it looks like China is just trying to suck out whatever is left of these um, target countries. Mm -hmm. But before we jump right into the strategic corruption of the BRI, or the Belt Road Initiative. Let's talk about what it is. Sure, so the BRI, or the Belt Road Initiative, is a plan constructed by the Chinese government in 2013 to realize Xi's Chinese dream. And the Chinese dream we're talking about here is his objective of the great regeneration of the Chinese nation. Oh, wow, the almighty Chinese nations. Anyways, I've heard that um, they have created something like seven corridors all across Asia and Europe, didn't they? Yes, and on the surface, it looks all glorious with China building infrastructures for developing countries and bringing um, cash flows for these countries to flourish. I've heard, I think China built a railroad for Kenya and like an airport in Sri Lanka. Yes, they, they did, but behind it, it's just China's thirst for money and power. For example, when Sri Lanka failed to repay the loans of 
building the airport, the Chinese government directly took over Sri Lanka's Hembantota port. Yes, a lot of the routes created by China are very, very conveniently close to like important strategic hubs or large energy sources. I know. Uh, the Chinese are like the best at making friends with money. She knows well that by putting mo-、uh, more money into these target countries, you will have control over their policies. And when you have more control over the policies, you will have control over the money. And after that, like basically anything. Exactly. Moreover, when there are international competitions going into those countries in the BRI, there is a higher chance that the Chinese can dominate the market by creating unfair competition, using their advantages in the BRI. Oh, speaking of the corporations that are. Um, interfere with Xi's strategic corruption. Have you heard of、um, CFC China Energy, also known as CFC? Uh, not not really. I've heard that、um, Patrick Ho, or whatever, is the executive that has been arrested. But I I didn't know that there was strategic corruption involved in that case. Please enlighten me, Pauline. Sure. So Patrick Hall was sentenced to three years in prison due to violating several Foreign Corrupt Practice Act and international money、uh, laundering. Whoa! Wasn't he like a former high official from Hong Kong or something? Yeah, he was the Home Secretary from two thousand two to two thousand seven. Later on, he was in charge of CFC, a supposedly charitable fund foundation. Created solely for the purpose of research for energy resources, and this is funded by the Chinese company. Well, that sounds very suspicious. So basically, Ho disguised the fund that links corporate and international interests, but actually, it is just a money laundering machine. Indeed, and even in two thousand fourteen, he even offered the president Chad. Two million dollars in gift boxes, to which he later rejected, and later in two thousand sixteen, five hundred thousand to Uganda. These bribes are meant to open the oil and gas market into the countries for China. Wait, so she was behind all of this? Yes. However, when Ho got arrested, she did not give him any protection. Oh, so he was used by she? Yeah. Hall said that he was just the first of a sacrificial lambs, hinting that the underground network of this corrupt system is massive and is only the tip of an iceberg. Damn, that's messed up. But come to think of it, the CFC is only one in thousands of companies investing in the BRI. In this case, CFC mostly interferes with countries in Africa, but. Don't forget the fact that companies and corporations like CFC are everywhere. True. So overall, China's Belt Road Initiative counts as a strategic corruption, because the government is purposefully bribing other countries for the sake of fulfilling its national objective. Is that right? Yeah, the objective of expanding its sphere of influence and, of course, enlarging its market. Exactly. And to add on, according to CNN. The company, which is CFC, we just talked about, aligned itself so closely with the Chinese government that it was often hard to distinguish between the two. 
Moreover, an expert in Prague who has been tracking on CFC had once told the New York Times that it's been clear for some time that this is not just a Chinese commercial company; they had actually some intelligence ties. Whoa, these really further prove us that CFC, though merely being a company that constantly pushes BRI, is in fact a sector that facilitates BRI and its corruption. Yeah. To this end, let's briefly sum up the terms and events we just talked about, Vera. Okay, so strategic corruption is basically a form of corruption, but with more focuses on enhancing national interests by utilizing inducements against other countries. Exactly, and there are two main examples of this concept. First off, Trump's impeachment case. The strategic corruption in this case is Dmitry Fertash attempting to make the state-owned Ukrainian gas company more inclined to Russian interests by bribing a Ukrainian businessman. As for the example of the Belt Road Initiative, Patrick Cole, or to be more precise, on behalf of China, bribed several high-ranking country officials to promote、um, the project. And by doing that, China tries to achieve Xi's actual goal of extending China's sphere of both political and economic power. Well said, Vera. Up to this point, I think that's what we have got to say today. Vera, thank you for being our first guest on this new podcast. The pleasure is all mine. And that's this week's episode of Through a Silhouette. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.